All right, man. All right. So uh, a lot of a lot of stuff going on out in the MMA world. I'm actually, you know, the reason I did I've been calling this show Sports Unraveled. Anytime we like Flavio came on, or like if it's all, like pretty much all we talk about. But I've been thinking about is calling it MMA Unraveled. But then I'm, if I'm talking about jujitsu, I don't want people to talk shit. So I don't know. Yeah, or boxing. Or, or Olympic sports. sports. I, I really deduced it down because I saw one of my guys that's this huge basketball fan. He's always posting about basketball, and I like read his statuses because I like him. But um, I'm like, dude, we're never talking about basketball. In the, this is the only time we're talking you about basketball. You said we're not going to talk about basketball. Exactly. And we're not really going to talk about anything non-combat sports related. But then you're going to get boxers pissed off because you're doing a boxing episode and you're calling it MMA. So I just went with the non-controversial route and called it sports. Now we're going to get basketball fans talking shit. Baseball you players. Win. You can't win. So we're just going to keep calling it Sports Unravel for now. So, uh, yeah, man, I watched the – I was texting you. I was watching the uh, lead-in to the UFC 220. We did. We talked about uh, Ngannou last time like crazy. Watched all his fights. but And I, I, I kind of – before that, I was all – Ngannou and and now like I mean I think it's just going to come down to what Miocic does as yeah. far as a strategy. They're going back and forth. I, I think everyone is. And it, and I don't think like I, it's it's somewhat evenly matched. I think that um, Ngannou is just such a specimen, right? So I wonder, I wonder what the offset's going to be because I rewatched um, who? Oh, oh yeah, we'll see Overeem and then. Um, what was the dude whose orbital bone he just like annihilated uh, that we watched that took him down like two or three times? Oh, bigger Curtis Blades. Yeah, Curtis Blades. Um, so people have had some success wrestling with him, but Overeem didn't have any success wrestling. You would think Overeem would be able to have a good clinch strategy going in, mm-hmm. but you know we we uh, have obviously called into question how good Overeem's brain is still working. And that, that could be where you see it. Like, I think that the reduction of physical faculties for a lot of these later-age fighters probably has as much to do with injury as CTE and other brain brain injury-related symptoms. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like Overeem wasn't running all there in that fight. Yeah. Um, so, interesting little card. Uh, really, all they're pumping on that card is um, – Cormier and Vulcan and then Miocic versus Ngannou. Is anybody else on there you're excited about seeing? Not really. I, there's allegedly supposed to be some other good fights. I don't have the card in front of me, so I don't remember. Their name. Uh, Shane Burgos, I think, might be someone else on that card. I'm pulling that card up right now just to check it out. We need a young Jamie to pull the card up for us. Dude. Yeah, right. The, um, I know the main card, or at least I've heard that there's potential to be some pretty good fights in the main card, even though there's not big name value underneath Vulcan and Cormier. Yeah, you know, they said Vulcan is the first UFC fighter, maybe, out of Switzerland, I think is what they were saying on that um, promo. Yeah. But, uh, and I was like, well, yeah, yeah. And so that makes him, I guess, a Viking, too. <clears throat> so, but, uh, yeah, they were... Um, they were talking about Viking fighters on JRE the other day. They're like, no, that dude's a Viking. They were talking about um, Mech. Yeah. Emil, so it, apparently oh, apparently, oh. his name is Mech, Emil Mech. Because I'm like, I read it, and I'm like, no, that, name, that dude's name is Meek. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, but, but like Joe Rogan corrected Jimmy Smith. It's like, it's actually Mech. Oh. Yeah, Viking name, Viking pronunciation. 
Um, let's see, USC 220. We got Stipe and Ganu, obviously, Cormier and Vulcan. Um, Chain Burgos is uh, right before the Ozdemir fight. Thomas Almeida. Who's he fighting? Rob Font. Okay. And Shane Burgos is fighting... Like Calvin Qatar. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Yeah, I think Shane Burgos is just like a gigantic featherweight. Yeah. He's 75-inch reach, and he's five foot eleven at featherweight. So I'm just going to go ahead and st- st- skip forward to this on my topic because um, I, I heard this, and I, 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 there's no really way to, to prove it, but um, speaking of really huge fighters... I heard that Chris Cyborg, who's been bitching in the news, saying the UFC won't sign any good 45ers, and there's all these, like, she put out that picture with, like, all these top-level 45ers, like, none of them are in the UFC. I didn't see that. She, like, put a picture of her. I know there's, like, Megan Anderson, but I don't know. Which, is she the one that's the Invict, was the Invicta champ when, yeah. yeah. she So she's saying she wants to fight her. Mm-hmm. But um, I heard that Cyborg cuts from, like, 180 pounds. Yeah, that's the word. That's you ever insane. seen that picture of her next to Frankie Edgar back in the day? No. I'm There's like a picture of her and Frankie Edgar, and you know, Frankie, it's like uh, the male 155 pound used to be champion standing next to the female featherweight, and she's like towering over him. Huge compared to Frankie Edgar. Yeah, that's that's wild. I, I mean, I knew that she had cut a lot of weight and that she had problems cutting. Cora watched that documentary that they put, they'll put out a little short documentary about her cutting weight for a fight yeah. a while back, and. I had I, I didn't know if she was cutting that much, and that makes total sense that she like straight up couldn't get the thirty five after I heard that, and I was like, well, shoot, if she's cutting from one eighty, no, <clears throat> I cut from one about one eighty walk around to one fifty five one time, and I was supposed to fight at seventy, and I was like, I was maybe like one eighty six, but I had got down to like seventy five, and like a couple weeks out, they're like, could you make fifty five with a two pound allowance, and I was like, hmm. Yeah, because it was either that or not fight. And then, dude, I sucked my body down so bad. It was not good. Uh, I cut from 63, I think it was, the day of weigh-ins, and it just got morbid, man. Like, it was one of the worst experiences ever. I'm definitely definitely dying sooner because of having gone through it. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, that's it, man. Just, like, sucking fluid off your brain. I want to do a whole episode just on weight cutting. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. I don't like cutting well um i like that too and i wish we had access to more of the data but how uh Nabitsky was talking about how they do a post they're weighing you at least twice and then too so a lot of shows like legacy did this they went um we weighed in at like 2 p.m or something go back hydrate eat and everything come back for mock weigh-ins at six that's televised and everything. And that's apparently um, what a lot of people are doing now. They have these this two-way-in format, yeah. and people started doing it the exact same way. So you get longer. It's like just cheating the system. I mean, you get longer to recover. Instead of getting to start eating at 8 p.m., you get to start eating at 3 p.m. So you get through these weigh-ins super fast. Like they realized how long it takes to do weigh-ins with production. So, like, you get fighters on death's door, so it's like, no, nah, way, write it down, way, write it down. So then they come back and do a mock weigh-in, which um, I don't even know if they – I don't know how, like, the UFC does that because I, I think they've done the same model, but, like I said, Legacy and some other, like, regional shows in our area are doing it. And I want to say Legacy started doing it because UFC started doing it. 
but it gives you longer to recover. And um, so you like this model? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I, like, here's the model I think that should be instituted. Yeah, let's hear it. You weigh in, and then you fight. That's kind of what I was thinking too. I that but, way. Now I hate the IBJJF. They suck. Like, if you do not speak Portuguese, and this is not a racist remark, but they won't talk to you. Like, I've seen it 50 times. It's like, it's like, hey, no, you don't talk to the ref, but it's like, guess who gets to talk to the ref? Andre Galvao. And I don't know what they're saying because I don't speak Portuguese. But it's literally like every time we go to, like, a Worlds or Pan American Games, it's always the Brazilians and the black belts that are Brazilians. And almost every one of the refs is Brazilian. So, like, they, it's all like an inside game with that. And they will – I remember Angelica Galvao cornered against uh, – there's this girl named Madison Onings that Cora fought that was, like, number two or number one ranked blue belt in the world at Worlds. Cora lost, like, at one advantage. It was, like, 2-2 two, two and the girl beat her. Maybe it was – maybe it was – I can't remember wh what the final score was, but Cora threw her a couple of times. It was an exciting match right down to the end. But – there was some issue where Angelica Galvao thought that they should have uh, gave him a break so that girl could tie her belt. And they didn't. And so she starts losing it in Portuguese. And we're, I was just like, what's going on? And then um, come to find out it was an issue over the belt. Like, And right as she was trying to get the ref to stop it, Cora threw the girl again with like a – this weird little Tomanagi variation. There's a there's a video on the internet of Cora hitting that both throws in that match, and uh, but she was losing it. She's like, oh, she you can't give her those points because you should have stopped and tied the belt. Was what was being said, you know. And then after the match, ref comes over to the rail. Like they won't do that with my coaches. There's like, yeah, but there's a guy over here, this head ring coordinator. And if you really need to talk to someone, it's going to be him. And you're going to have to go find him yourself. Don't talk to me. Hmm. You know, it's just really, really weird and inconsistent uh, how you how you get to interact with those people. But uh, there's a big conspiracy where IBJJF, there's all these uh, black belts like Gordon. Uh, well, I don't know about Gordon Brown, but Gary Tonin is leading it. And then, like, Jeff Glover's like, I'm down. Where they're all going to enter an IBJJF and disqualify themselves by doing like a heel hook or reaping the knee because those are illegal. Why are some any, why is any submission illegal at adult white belt? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's why bullshit. It, I don't, I don't understand it. And like, I just stopped subscribing to it. I didn't teach my guys, uh, heel hooks for a long time. Uh, it, as much like we did leg locks, but now it's like we do leg locks as much as we're doing back takes as much as we're doing Kimura as much as we're doing takedowns. It's like just a balanced part of the equation. But, like, before, it's like, oh, no, that's taboo. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. IBJJS said that this is bad. You can get disqualified. And it, like, dictates directions that gym go, the gyms go in terms of their output of uh, quality of people. I think that part of that, you know, that Carlos Condit fight, he kept going for those heel hooks when he would, like, lose or go for a knee bar. But it's like he wasn't up to par on his leg locks. Even uh, Donaher was like, yeah, we worked a lot of jiu-jitsu and leg locks with GSP. But, he, you know, he's and his leg locks are good, but they're not like a Gary Tonin, Gordon Ryan level good. Anyway, Gary, uh, Gary Tonin just signed to – what's another major uh, – 1FC? Maybe it's 1FC. 
Yeah, the one huh? that's where Ben Askren was. Yeah, oh, man, I can't wait till he comes on Joe Rogan. I've been waiting. I've been waiting on him and Marilyn Manson. And then suppose Marilyn Manson's huh? gonna be on there, dude. I saw him do an oh, acoustic yeah. version of Sweet Dreams yesterday, and I was like, "This is badass." And yeah. it's like, like he just did it, I think, yesterday because he's um, he broke his leg at a show, and his foot's in a cast, so he's just sitting there doing a Sweet Dreams acoustic with some dude. Um, but anyway, I, I can't get married. Like, did you ever watch Sons of Anarchy? Yeah, I watched most of it. I didn't see the... Yeah, well, in the final season, end. Marilyn Manson is this white supremacist in I jail. I did see him in jail. Ah, man. Makes juice this bitch. It's sad times for poor Juicy Boy. <laughs> we, Brandon and I just <laughs> talked about juicy it when we got to that part, and then we're like, and Juice's boyfriend, Marilyn Manson. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it did. Poor guy. That's what you get for, you know, killing a club member and... Yeah, he was a little shady bastard himself. Yeah, so. man, I liked him so much in the first few seasons, but he did become a tragic character. And in real life, the guy um, that played half sack in that show, like, went legit crazy on like bath salts or something, I and heard like about that. fell off a roof and died or something like that. This crazy story. Yeah, it's crazy kid. Um, so Ben Askren's coming on. Um, is, so is he retired or is he still I fighting? Oh, dude, who knows. I would like Who to cares? see because could be a yeah I know right <laughs> this could be like one of those Jimmy Smith things like he comes on Joe Rogan and like uh, they said that on that because Jimmy Smith was on the Fight Companion yeah and then they were like oh we had to skirt around it when we were doing the last podcast but you know we already knew that you were going to do the UFC oh what do you th- okay so here's some recent like what do you think about Big John um I don't see I don't know Big John as a personality so. yeah I know right and he. I don't know how he's going to be in the booth. I love hearing him explain refing situations. Like, hey, you know, here's what we're thinking with this. I mean, he's a super legit martial artist and jiu-jitsu guy. Um, but I, apparently, and I haven't, I, I haven't seen these fights in forever, but apparently he commentated on the Affliction fights back in the day, like when Fedor was fighting Arlovsky and stuff. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, I haven't heard him talk much. I've heard some, like some of his Twitter posts, and he sounds, you know, smart. He usually explains himself pretty well, but I haven't liked his attitude in the ring many on many occasions. Yeah, real um, talk. So, do you think they fired? I don't know if they fired Jimmy Smith or just Jimmy Smith. They, I think he said that they just didn't want to pay him enough, so they're paying Roy McDonald everything. So you don't think? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's like they're pay, It's like they're doing the same thing the UFC is doing. They're paying. Six dudes, all the money. And everybody, like, I've been looking at Bellator salaries, and, like, I've been keeping up with Bellator more. Uh, I think it's funny, too, this, like, speaking of buys and, and everything, it's like, guess what's the same night tomorrow as UFC 220? Bellator. The Bellator debut of the heavyweight Grand Prix is the same night that Ngannou versus uh, Miocic. Those bastards. Yeah, it's tragic. Uh <laughs> I don't know why they couldn't just be. It's always like that, man. Give us them on Friday and Saturday. Well, and what? Okay, do you have cable television? Yeah. No. You don't. No. Oh, me either. Right on. Good for you. What is this? How are how are you gonna watch? If you want to watch the belt, I don't even know how to watch it. They're saying it's on like this premier network or something like that, or really? Paramount Paramount Network. That's what it is. I'm like, is something that, that comes on regular. Television? Is it a new channel? No, we're know. out of the loop because we're we don't like watching commercials. 
I'm going to figure out how to watch it. I'll be watching it. I'll be watching it one way or the other, dude. And when <laughs> Justin Gagey fought Alvarez, I was watching that. It, um, I hopped the next morning, like the whole fight, five rounds. Um, but which, uh, So speaking of Justin Gagey, what do you think about uh, him versus Poirier? Sick fight. It's um, going to be a sick fight, yeah. I, I, I would predict right off the bat that Poirier is going to light him up, though. Yeah, I, I think it could be a war. Gagey said um, that losing to Eddie Alvarez is the best thing that ever happened to him in terms of motivating him as a fighter. I think that was his what, maybe his first loss. Is he saying it as like yeah, it was his first loss, and is he saying it like he's going to change his ways? Because his style just you know he's a, he's a great fighter, but he's not best in the world fighter. Poirier's up there with best in the world fighters right now. Yeah, it, it's kind of too um, almost. I don't know. I'm not going to say sad, but it seems to me that um, Poirier has kind of become a little bit of a gatekeeper. You know what I'm saying? Has he? What was his last fight? Um, let me... Let uh, me. Let's remember that he, even though his it was a no contest, I think, against Eddie Alvarez, he did lo- yes, I know, jack yeah. Eddie Alvarez up in that fight. And I'm going to have to... Um, I'm going to have to pull that up real quick. But, dude, Gagey, I, I think we talked about last time you were on the podcast, uh, Gagey fought um, Michael Johnson, and I got to see that fight live, and it was just a barn burner. Poirier has really turned himself around the past couple he of years. He really has, man. And, and that I might be, like, upswing. working. I, I followed him, obviously. I, that Eddie Alvarez fight was super unfortunate. And, like, man, anytime there's a change in rules or scoring or it's like – there has got to be a universal adaptation of that. I mean, there has to be. It, 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 you can't – well, the rules aren't the same for the Texas commission as they are for this commission, or Nevada is for California. So, like, that was the issue, like, it, with at least one of those knees in the Poirier-Alvarez fight was that um, the downed opponent, the way they, the way they score that rule now – so, like, now, if, if you, it looks like you're intentionally putting it, like, the finger down, like, yeah. oh, you're about to knee me? Do it. That's apply. illegal. Illegal. So, like, you can't do that anymore. It's got to be, like, a little more decisive than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, But not everybody has adopted those new rules. So, you'll get somebody like a, a crew from the UFC, the refs, fighters that have just recently fought in a, in a state under a commission that has – and there's crossover confusion. <coughs> so commissions need to get it together and just let's go ahead and get the ball rolling. Hey, Passage. down down here in Arkansas, we're just letting HIV people fight. So, but you know, like it's unfortunate, but I'm glad because like now every fighter has to get a blood test, and that's like and two, we're not like there's a ton of states all over the U.S. that don't blood test, and Arkansas was just one of them. But we got a bunch of bad press, and it was in boxing; it wasn't even in MMA. So. um but let's see, Poirier, no contest. He beat Jim Miller before that in a majority decision. Lost to Michael Johnson, KO. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. I but, I mean, here's like, back. here's kind of, so lost to Conor McGregor. Then he, he beats uh, Carlos um, Fiera, Yancey, Medeiros, Joseph Duffy, Bobby Green, you know, some mid-tier guys. Yeah. Duffy's pretty legit. I watched him fight the other day, and I think I, I remember seeing him fight Poirier. Jim Miller, dude, Jim Miller's an OG. That was fight of the night when they fought. I remember seeing it, and I was kind of uh, sad that Miller lost. But then I'm like, dude, you've been 
You remember when Tim Miller got choked out by Nate Diaz and he was biting his own tongue? <laughs> well, I think it was Nate Diaz. Might have been Joe Lozon, but it was a, it was a fight he was getting choked and he was biting his tongue. Um, I'm like, sure. dude, you lucky you got a mouthpiece in, bro. That was just morbid, but I'm pretty sure it was Diaz. But no contest to Eddie Alvarez. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't remember this. Beat uh, Anthony Pettis. I remember hearing about it, but yeah. I didn't get to watch it. Okay, that is kind of impressive. But Pettis is, I don't know. I, I've heard Duke Rufus commentate now. on it. I think that Pettis is just like a psychological, like he's pretty inconsistent. Like he was talking about when Pettis, like I was blown away when Pettis showed up and lost to Clay Guida. I was like, what? Yeah, dude. Um, let's see. Pettis lost to Clay Guida. Then he beat Stevens, Lozon, Cerrone, Ben Henderson, Gilbert Melendez. Finished four of those fights. Two with TKO or KO, two with the submission, and then Stevens was a split decision. Jeremy Stevens has really been on a on a tear comeback. He has been. He's looking good. Yeah, what would you think of the Choi? <clears throat> Starched him. Yeah, I kind of expected that, though. I thought it was a really good matchup for yeah, Stevens. I think Choi's kind of distracted with this impending service to the military. Could be, but he also is one of those guys, he sort of seems like a one-trick pony. He has a, a nice straight right hand. He does. And he hasn't added much else other than that. Yeah, and that's. Uh, but we need that next Takanori Gomi, and he fits that role. Like That's just it. Like Takanori Gomi, I think, still in the UFC. has fought and lost tons, but he's got that knockout power, so you never know when it, something crazy might happen. And he can hang with, with, you know, mid-tier guys and put on an exciting fight, and then he can put on exciting losses to people like Nate Diaz. So, which was – I remember hearing Joe Rogan commentate on, um, like, an older – I think it was an older UFC DVD I was watching or something. Yeah, I still – I have DVDs. Yeah. I know, bro. I was yeah, telling sir. somebody, I was like, bro, one of my friends was like, you still use the – the red and white and yellow cable to hook stuff to your TV. And I was like, well, no, because my TV doesn't come, <laughs> it doesn't come with it anymore. They don't yeah. like a lot of TVs. They don't add them, which I totally get. But, um, so it's like, they make like DVDs in 4k now, or you just stream everything. Like, what do you do to I have watch? I have no idea. I haven't used the disc. In a You're really in the digital time. game, bro. Yeah, Digital so, game all the way. Yeah. Now we can merge with the machines. This is our, one of our first steps. Yeah, well, Dustin Poirier, interesting. What was the deal with the Pettis fight? Uh, it, I remember it was like, I, I didn't watch it, but I read about it on uh, like MMA Junkie or something, like a rib injury. Was that from a kick? Was like an incidental thing, like when Damian Maia fought Stun Gun? What happened? I don't remember. I don't either. I'm going to have to look yeah. into that. We could watch it right now. We have fight pass. Yeah, I really don't. I mean, I can picture kind of like what I think happened in that fight. But. Yeah, but man, Pettis, so his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights, he's two and five. Yeah, he's not doing so hot, but he's like one of those guys just like uh, he only kind of like only he, fights top level dudes, though, too. Really. And he hasn't changed his game. Like once I feel like if you've been sort of exposed, you know, after RDA beat him. Mm -hmm. and, and the people found out you can pressure him, take his space away, not let him throw kicks, cut the cage on him. Then, you know, he hasn't changed since then, but everyone else that fights him changes to to fit that style, to do that to him, and then they do it to him. Yeah. Well, uh, does Pettis have anything coming up? I'm checking out real quick. I don't know. Um, that, man, he's got a list of accolades, though. 
Let's see. Um, that Poirier fight was um, his fight of the night. Pettis lost the fight after tapping out due to a broken rib in the third round. I was watching Duke Rufus break down some Anthony Pettis fights when he oh. was on JRE, and he's talking about Pettis dislocated his shoulder and still finished the guy, and like they could, he couldn't even raise his hand. Yeah, I remember now what happened on the Pettis fight with Poirier. Poirier was just destroying him the whole fight, and that was when he was like uh, one of them had their back and slid over into – he got returned back to guard, and somehow in that transition it was just like a freak – rib just that's broke. how duke rufus said this he's like anthony pettis doesn't get hurt in practice that dude gets hurt in fights like he started that's why they were commenting it was an old pre-ufc fight but he's like he got hurt in this fight he got hurt in that fight and he starts telling the story of these fights he got hurt in and which he lost you know and uh he's like it's never been an issue with him getting hurt in training camp him getting hurt in the gym it's an issue like he he like breaks his collarbone in the fight or dislocates his shoulder or something crazy like that and breaks his hand or, and just can't, it has a hard time coming back from it. Yeah, so Pettis has uh, done nothing uh, on the horizon for him that I can see. But uh, I'm always entertained to watch him fight because he always, like I said, fights a top-level guy like Max Holloway, Charles Oliveira, Edson Barboza, Alvarez, RDA. Um, so... You know, I'm surprised Pettis hasn't tried to move camps yet. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I think that he's, he's just stuck got, in a rut. He's got such a um, connection probably with Duke Rufus. Yeah, he's got to do something, though. Yeah, for real, for real. I can uh, I can empathize with that. Uh, so what do you think about this? Um, what, I don't know if it's official, but the Tyron versus uh, Desanos. Like, I it's a great fight. It's a great fight. I wasn't really expecting that announcement, honestly, because I, honestly, after I saw um, GSP, uh, Donaher talking about GSP, because oh, he cornered GSP in his last fight, but uh, he was they were really kind of fight-hyping. Him and Joe both were kind of fight-hyping the idea of GSP fighting Tyron. And... Um, yeah, GSP's got an injury right now, though. Well, it's not an injury. It's called ulcerative chloritis, and a, a really good friend of mine actually has that. It's almost like a, a Crohn's disease type of an issue. Like, you literally get these ulcers in, like, your, your like colon and your intestine, and, like, you, you like, eating almost any – like, you can't eat. So he said um, that, like, GSP was dealing with that day of the fight. And like the more, and it's like um, partially, I believe, stress induced. It's like the more stress your body's getting put under from training hard or from uh, an upcoming fight, the worse the symptoms are. And like, you take med medicine to manage it, which may or may not have side effects. But my buddy, like, he has bouts with it. Like, it is. I mean, he's, he's brown belt, real, real good friend of mine. I owns a school here in Arkansas, and uh, it'll just come and go, man. I want to say uh, it's genetic. And, um, I mean, it, it can it can take you out. It's crazy. Like, when I heard – because they just kept saying chloritis, and I've always heard him call it ulcerative chloritis. And I was just like, damn, GSP got the same thing as my buddy. So uh, it's pretty serious. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's career-ending serious, but I don't think that GSP has that many more fights anyway and the ones he has. or You know, they were uh, talking about the potential of him fighting Connor. You any thoughts on that? He'd smoke Connor. Yeah, too, I mean, hey, yeah. way too yeah. strong, hey, dude. Get out of here. Connor. I know, I know, Connor. Well, so on Connor, 
and we you know we'll we'll break down the the 220 card here in a minute because there's a, there's a lot of news going on right now so i read that connor was getting stripped and then i saw some commentation from um Kavanaugh's coach and he's like well, we don't care we got like you think we care like we lose money when we stop to pick money up you know it's kind of like uh they they just like issued a statement or at least Kavanaugh did where he's like oh, whatever and uh but then I read that Dana said he wasn't going to strip McGregor unless he defended until March because dude he's holding up the division this is the second division he's held up yeah it's been two years right <clears throat> or he said he won't he doesn't want to fight till September and that'll have been two years so I wonder what he's working on. So they, they've announced the Russian media, uh, allegedly, is what the headlines I'm reading say, have announced, uh, and other people, I've read plenty of sources, have announced um, Khabib versus um, Ferguson. Sick fight. Sick fight, but, dude, I'll say this, and I like Tony Ferguson, dude. El Kikui's the shit. I, I, I like his jiu-jitsu that he does in fights. That dude was getting put in a single once and forward rolled into an omoplata, which is a move I know how to do. But it's awesome seeing someone do it in a UFC fight. Yeah, he's cool. It's it's a really badass matchup to see 10th Planet versus whatever the hell you call Khabib style. It's his own little thing. but uh, man. Russian bear wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that seems pretty accurate to describe it. Um, well, so I watched... Um, I watched Tony Ferguson fight Kevin Lee the other day, and I I, I watched that fight when it came out. But I mean, it's super late at night. I, I don't re I didn't really remember it. And I was wanting to rewatch it because I wanted to I was wanting to break down when um, Tony puts in rubber guard in like the first round, I believe. But dude, Kevin Lee did an amazing job in that fight, and that fight was a lot closer than I remember it being. You know. Yeah, I thought it was really close. So it's imagine if Kevin Lee didn't have staph infection and a and an effed up weight cut what he could have you know like he was still hanging yeah. i was really impressed he spent a lot of time on top um i'm gonna watch it again just because i was like watching like right before i went to the gym i watched it and i was like i, w I wasn't paying super super close attention to it after the first round but because um i can't i can't remember how it ended but uh tony threw up that i think it was a triangle choke from his yeah because i was thinking that he did that in the first round when i watched it and then um it was the third round, and I and it was like a lot closer than I remember it being too. So, um, yeah, you got Tony and Khabib. I'm excited to see it, but I'm a little less excited right, right now just because like Tony didn't put on as amazing a performance against Kevin Lee as I as I remembered. Like like it was one of those fights. Like the first minute, I was like, this is awkward as fuck right now. Like they were like really herky jerky and like forcing yeah. combinations and it was just really you're both super good wrestlers with oh, i think a little bit herky jerky striking on both yeah it's like we want to do uh, jujitsu right now but yeah. well I kevin lee's apparently a legit taekwondo guy right i've heard that somebody was saying they brought him into a camp maybe tyron woodley i can't remember i'm a, he, i think you're right yeah i think i mean he he moves that way he's Tyron's smart for bringing in so many, um, like when he, he was saying we fought, uh, Wonder Boy, uh, that he was, um, he brought in Sage Northcutt. I want to say he brought in Kevin Lee. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, but yeah, dude, I'm, I'm excited about Kevin Lee. I mean, I, I wasn't really paying attention to him for a long time. Uh, but cause I mean, he's had a lot of fights in the UFC and I'm, 
I'm a bigger fan of him. I just want to see I want to see him in more top level fights against people like Tony Ferguson because really, I'm looking at his record right here: Michael Chiesa, um, Leonardo Santro, Santos, Alquinta. He lost both of those fights. You know. What do you think about like because the way that Tony finished? Kevin Lee, he was able to do it with a like a traditional submission from his back. If that made it more impressive, because you don't you don't see that especially at the top level. Yeah, no, I, I'm always impressed to see anything happen off the back. Whether you like you're getting up and like wall walking up the cage, you're getting up in base, um, submitting someone off your back, or like when we were talking about on that Miguel Torres Demetrius Johnson fight, it's like, dude, how often do you see a sweep in MMA? Yeah, I heard like this, like in 2017, there was only like three triangles, or I don't remember the stat, but the stat was that Tony. It's very Ferguson, scientific. I don't want to get into it right now. Tony Ferguson. The point is, Tony Ferguson had more submissions. Like he made up the majority of submissions off their back in the UFC. So yeah. like him himself is more than like everyone else combined. I want so bad to, in some way, spin like this college course I'm doing or future courses I'm doing into like, I've got the UFC encyclopedia through 2011 in there, but I, I, and I started doing this already, but I want to, I want to take the UFC and then take other defunct organizations like pride and calculate finishing stats in an Excel sheet and derive percentages and base strategies off those percentages. Like in 2017, there were, 1,000 fights, hypothetically speaking, and only four of those fights were finished from... So, like, basically you have a table. It's like, um, what what was the method of being finished? What was around? Um, if it was a KO, what, was it a TKO or a knockout? Like, did the guy go completely unconscious or did he just get... A, or did the referee step in and stop and they roll a TKO? Um like, uh, was it a submission? What kind of submission was it? Was it from bottom or top? Was the TKO or the KO from standing from like a kick or was it on the ground? You know, like, okay, it was standing. Was it a punch or an elbow, a kick or a knee? You know, like things like that that I think will really help you extrapolate some really good statistics. And that is the kind of stuff that like Jackson's camp does. We were just talking about this the other day, and I've mentioned that Jackson's always maintained it above a 50% uh, win rating or whatever, mm -hmm. which may not be the case. They're apparently on like a 20-something fight losing streak for their camp. That stat came out after Condit and Holly Holm, and I think they had somebody else fight on uh, UFC, excuse me, UFC 219. But, yeah, they're on a losing streak for sure. Yeah, I tried a couple of years ago. I was – trying to make a like an algorithm a code to put in two fighters and spit out who would win so i could bet on the fights and and win <laughs> yeah dude my buddy <laughs> colby me, um he's he super wants to bet on fights he's talking about it all the time because i mean he doesn't hey actually he just recently started training he's doing jujitsu with me and we trained a little bit the other night and uh he like i've got a mat in there rolled up like an old dollar mat and i'll break it out and got to move my furniture in my living room to make it happen but um he'll come over and train with me at night uh, he's been on the podcast super good dude but his fight knowledge is a fan only as a fan like and and how honestly how he is able to adapt and pick up on things faster because he has all this fight knowledge is pretty remarkable like i wanted to get him to do this podcast but he's like no bro like i just want to 
chill here on your couch. <laughs> like he's like he's like, yeah, we got to keep the audience waiting. Got to wait till they want to hear back from me. Mm-hmm. So, but um, he did that Game of Thrones episode with me, our season eight theories. But uh, we're always we're always getting into trouble. Uh, he's I went saw Roger Waters with in Nashville, and I uh, went to Red Rocks together, Panic in Mexico. Yeah. We've been on some oh, adventures. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, if they do strip Connor and Khabib, Ferguson happens for the undisputed title. Undisputed. Uh, where does that put Conor McGregor? Does that put him in the boxing world, or do you think that paves way for the Diaz trilogy? I really, uh, I don't want to give Conor any more thought, to be honest. <laughs> I'm so sick of hearing he's about freaking Conor McGregor. Uh, yeah, uh, it, he's gonna sit there and do what he wants to do until he wants to come back to MMA, and he's gonna come back to MMA. I don't think he's gonna box again. And when he comes back to MMA, I freaking hope he doesn't fight Nate Diaz again. I hope he does something new, like fights Khabib, who's going to beat Tony Ferguson, and will be the champ. I would, I would love to see. Um, and then he'll get mauled by Khabib, and he'll be shut up, and that'll be yeah. the end of it. Well, you know, I mean, that's. Uh, I think that. I think too that Connor's about. He's done so well at, at the way he's marketed and packaged himself. I think he is about one fight away losing an MMA. From, but maybe I'm wrong, dude, because it's like, look who's fighting tomorrow night. Shale P. Sonnen, the American gangster. How is he still relevant? So he'll, Connor will always have a place to, to fight. No exactly. Like, literally, I, I, I got up this morning to go to the gym and stuff and flipped up my phone, and Shale Sonnen was like selling something. I got like a sponsored ad on my phone, and he was just like, it was for like martial artists over 40. <laughs> it's like you got a dude headlining a heavyweight, and apparently, dude, apparently Rampage is fucking huge. Yeah, he's fight, huge, like two hundred. Like I saw him, I'm like, dude, you're fat, bro. Like he's your fat. face is big. Yeah, but when he fought King Mo a couple of years ago, he was two fifty three. Man, I can't believe Holy he's that shit. Big. See, so um, so this gets me here. We'll just skip on over to the drama section real quick. Chuck Liddell and Shale Sonnen have an altercation backstage. Did you read about that? I heard Kale talking it, about yeah, it. Yeah, it's fight hopping, bro. It is, we're we're becoming victims of fight hopping. I see it everywhere, and I commentate on it. I shared a status the other day. I was like, the MMA fantasy universe at work yet again. It's like it's like they're prepping audiences and fan base, like the masses of fans that like people that only want to see Conor McGregor fight. Like you and I are like, mm, we're sick of this shit. Like, I want there to be actual seating and stuff. Like, why I like the idea of this heavyweight tournament, but wish it was taking place over less time than a year, is that it, it's more legit. It's a bracket. Yeah. If that whole bracket plays out, the guy that wins it will be the guy. It's the most fair way to, to do combat sports. Exactly. That's what we all grew up doing. That's what, you know, we did. And then... So, I think that... Over the last year, we have been softly being set up for Chuck Waddell to make a comeback to MMA. Royce Gracie did it. Ken Shamrock did it. Ken, remember that Ken now? Shamrock versus uh, freaking um, the Kimbo fight? I want to say Chuck is just too old. I mean, I would think so too, but dude, I want to say Shamrock is like 62 years old. 
Yeah, but Bellator is a circus ass, over there, He's, man. I don't think Chuck is that. Dude, I, you got to admit this, though. You admit this. Again, you and I really don't care about it. But taking into context, like, the 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 herd of MMA fans, like, you know, yeah. the, you know we're, we're the sheepdogs, and then there's the herd. The herd is going to be like, holy shit, Chuck's coming back. I'm buying that. I'm going to watch that. I can't wait to watch that. So they appeal to this new, uh, new audience a little bit, but it's really about, like, the, the OG people that, like, really want to see Chuck Liddell. I remember watching um, that movie. Uh, oh, man, I think it was, uh, it was a movie of DMX, and I think it was Cradle to the Grave. Or it was, like, the, it was one of DMX and Jet Li. Uh, but it's like Chuck Liddell is like fighting in the background on the TV of a scene. He's fighting in the background of a scene in Pineapple Express. <laughs> the dude is a cultural sports icon. So that's a money fight. So Bellator has figured out, and they do stuff that the UFC is not willing to do because Dana's like, Chuck, you're out of here. But they're willing to repackage these drama p- people like Shell Sonnen or... Uh, fighters that have had the good fan base. So like Rampage, dude, dude fought in Pride, dude fought in the UFC, he's been in these exciting title fights, knocked out Chuck Liddell. But I think that they're setting up, there could be all these future fights in, in Bellator that are just circus old old man geriatric fights like Hoist Gracie versus Ken Shamrock, like Kimbo Slice versus Ken Shamrock. And it, and people are going to pay to see it and Bellator is going to make money and they're going to pay it all to Roy McDonald. Yeah, well, they they snubbed poor Rory on this main event spot, though. I know. How is up with that? Yeah, I know, right? How is he not in the heavyweight tournament is what I want to know. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> How is he not? I'm, he says he wanted to be. Yeah, uh, I know. Scott Coker, like, no, so, he can't. So let's say, so let's say Ryan Bader, boom, he's out of that tournament. Who are they going to put in? I think they should put in Justin Wren. That's who I want to see in there. That guy's telling you, fights out Lovato, he's been on JRE twice. Because uh, he's undefeated at heavyweight in Bellator. Well, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be Rory because I think they kind of want him to be the welterweight champion. What if it was Chuck? No, man. Someone would get killed. Like, Chuck would get killed. Yeah, but, like, look at the rest of the division. I mean, yes, he would. So, like, here's the thing. If Chuck comes back, which they have been fight-hyping him coming back against Shell, that's my first prediction. So if Chuck comes back in Bellator, who does he fight? He fights Shell. Because they're already hyping that like crazy. They've been hyping it for months. But yes, who other two people are on the Bellator roster that, that you and I don't want to see fight? But I think we will see fight. Freaking Tito and Rampage. No, Tito rode off into the sunset already. He's going to be smart Dude, about his it. Head He's is not going to. So b- I mean, yeah, we say that, but how many times have we had seen a fighter come back from retirement? Dude, Ho- like I thought when Hoist came back in, like, what was it, 06 and lost to Matthews, TKO from Rearmount? I never would have thought he would be coming back, and he came back at over 40, but it's like we're seeing dudes come back at over 50, over 60 for these circus money fights. And I think it's a demographic thing. or, or you know, It's like they see the potential, and they don't care that it's good or bad for the sport. I don't know, man. I think it's Someone's going to get seriously hurt. Like Someone's going to die in Bellator if they would continue on. Fighting people over fifty well, years old. You know, I will say this: that's going to be Kimbo already freaking died. Yeah, that's it. they've come close to it. Down to five thousand, almost died literally in their cage, and I, that's yeah. why. I, that, if I was Scott Coker, I mean, I wouldn't have done that fight in the first place. But had that happened, then I'd be like, all right, that's the end of it. That was too close. But he's going to keep doing it, huh? Baby bug on my mic. 
something bad is going to happen eventually. And shoot, even the 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 the, the guy cyborg. When he fought Michael Page and got a skull crushed. Oh my God, dude, that was insane. He, he got KO'd in his last fight. They put him in a fight. Mm. Bellator's doing some sketchy shit. Chuck Liddell, 48 years old. No way, man. No way. Dude, I mean, I can't believe I got to look up how old Ken Shamrock is right now because I He's can't. He's 50 something for sure. I was thinking, like, some, I was thinking they've had somebody fight recently that was 62 years old. He's 53. How old is Hoist Gracie? He's not in his 60s. He's in his 50s or, or late 40s, 51. Who is it? There is somebody that is still somewhat active. I mean, takes fights or whatever. Not even Dan Severin's only 59. Yeah. Um, anyway, I almost, I almost uh, had an opportunity. It was coming through, and, like, it was a – it was – a scheduling mishap, but like a couple of years ago, Dan Severin was like, I hit up my coach and was like, Hey, I'm coming to the state. You got anywhere that needs like any affiliate schools or anything? I'd like to have a seminar. And I was like, Dude, I'd have Dan Severin in for a seminar. We were like pushing for it. And then like we got, like he got his dates mixed up when he's communicating with us. And it was like a week later and we had fights or something. But uh, it'd be cool to train us with the, somebody that's such an OG like Dan Severin. has been in it since the beginning. I wonder what their perspective is, because that's like a, a Kixon. I mean, how many people have, have been like, yeah, we're doing the heavyweight Grand Prix, but it's all in one night, right? And it's like, and it's an open weight tournament. So you get like uh, like when Hickson fought in uh, um, Japan and Pride, or not in Pride, but in, um, I don't remember the name of the organization now, but uh, 95, that Yuki Nakai guy who's actually blind in his eye, uh, one of his eyes now from that event, uh, freaking warrior. But that dude was like 130 or something, and Hickson was like 195 with people in there over 200 pounds, 220 pounds, 230 pounds. Pretty wild. Did you hear what Rory said about why they think they moved <laughs> Rampage and Kale to the main event? No, why? He's like, because he they don't want people tuning in and seeing the co-main event, it's just a bad fight. And then they change the channel and go watch UFC or something. So they put Rory and Douglas first so they'd see the good fight and then keep watching until the end. That's funny. That's funny. The Red King. Yeah, I, like for some reason, I, I really want to see Kale and Rampage because I'm a huge Rampage fan, and I know there's a chance for him to, to knock out Kale. So I want to see because of that. But, man, if what happens, what we all think is going to happen is Kale's just going to wrestle him and lay on him for. I've been wanting to rewatch. I'm just going to throw it up, dude. I've been wanting to rewatch um, <clears throat> Chuck versus Rampage and Pride. Because, like, when Rampage. I saw, yeah, he, I, but I want to say he finished. He finished Chuck with like punches to the body and guard or some something crazy. Like, um, but see, like uh, when I first started training. I remember Chuck, I believe Chuck and Rampage fought each other in the UFC in 07 after um, they bought, uh, the UFC bought Pride, the Pride contracts. Yeah. So you started seeing Shortly like Chuck after. and Rampage, Chuck and um, Vanderlei. And, uh, but I remember just being super pumped. It's like one of the first cars that like the whole gym watched together, uh, the gym was ran at Inferno. And uh, I was just super pumped about it. And, you know, I'd been watching old Chuck fights like Chuck and Randy, Chuck and uh, Tito, Jeremy Horn, you name it. 
and uh, Chuck versus Overeem. See, these are some fights that I never really saw. It's like I, I went back and watched them like probably five or six years ago or something. Like last time, I was like, man, I, I got to go back and check that history out. But um, UFC thirty seven point five, Chuck versus Vitor. I forgot I have that on DVD. Let's see. I'm trying to see where it's at. Guy Mesker met that dude. Um, he's fought Jeremy Horn a couple of times. Chuck's been around, dude. I'm not seeing. Okay, here we go. Best of Pride. What the hell? Yeah, if you fought um, Overeem before, he was like Overeem, like heavyweight Overeem, back when he was like a tall, lanky kid. You're super old school. Pride Final Conflict 03. November 09. No, okay, now this is November of three. Okay, where's our Chromecast here, guys? I want to see how, like, um, JRE and them are doing their, um, their feeds. Like, because, like, I have this set up now. Like, when I cast this, we're going to get this in our headphones, but it's not going to record. I finally figured out how to do it. Nice. Yeah. Man. So, um, and I figured out how to do it and record. But it's like, I think they have one of each. I think that they can let non-copyrighted material through to record so they don't have to edit it in later. Here, I said that. Oh, I had the TV muted. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen this fight in years. 25-year-old Rampage. I know, right? Like, this is classic. I mean, look how much older Chuck is right here. Dude, you remember Vanderlei and Pride doing this all yeah. the time? That dude, he would just stoke me up. I felt like I was listening to Thunderstruck before a football game. I watched him fight. I think Vanderlei was the first, like, my first fed fighter that, like, got me into MMA. Dude, Vanderlei, like, uh, my... He's, like, on Napster or something. You could download those old Pride wow. videos. <laughs> I never thought about downloading it on Napster. Yeah. You ever seen the Italian job? Seth Green's character, he's like, like says he invented Napster and the guy stole it from him while he was taking a nap. It's <laughs> this funny backstory they do yeah. on Italian job. And Napster was that first fight pass. Yeah. You know, like Joe Rogan mentioned doing this and I, I thought about it too. And, um, because I love how they do their fight companions, but dude, how cool, I, I think it would be way cooler to go break down like like Pride 33, where Diaz fights Gomi and beats him with the Gogo Plata and all this other stuff. Yeah, the old fights, the classics. Yeah, I watched an interview with Nate Diaz the other day where someone was like, it was when he was going to fight Gomi. Oh, I missed this. Chuck Waddell's like, this is one of the most exciting fights ever. And it's like, dude, you're paid to say that on this promo by the UFC. Like, there's nothing exciting about talking to Ori Gomi to me. And like yeah. afterwards, he's hyping the next fight. He's like, Nate Diaz in one of his most exciting performances ever against Takanori Gomi. And I'm like, dude, Gomi's a chump. Like, who cares? Like, don't even talk about it. It's not <laughs> impressive. Like, yeah. they were saying that, but, that, but I believe in the Conor McGregor promo. He's talking about, like, Diaz. It's like, now nah, Diaz has done way more impressive stuff than that. But uh, someone was asking, they're, they're like, you know, Nick finished D Gomi with a go-go plata. And before Nate fought Gomi, they were like, so... 
you think you might, you know, go for go for go go Potter or something like your brother Nick or blah blah. And he's like, I don't even know that submission. <laughs> it, like said something totally funny, just like not not even being serious, but but like totally sold it as being serious. Funny. That's Donald Don Cerrone when he talks about jujitsu and the gi. He'd be like, yeah. I'd, I go to the gym, start rolling. He's like, some they tie me up and do that little that little collar choke or whatever they do. He's like, I just let them. I don't even know how to defend any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but dude, Bra- oh, dude, sick overhand by Rampage. Caught him in the lead hook too. I love break. I, but I love getting to break down old fights and watch all these old fights on Fight Pass. Thank you, Fight Pass. They both had really cool. Fight styles Ooh, back nice. then. Chuck I like, with a cross hook uppercut. I really like Chuck's like reaching method of put, putting those punches out. Yeah, it's cool. You do the same thing, bro. You do. You got yeah, kind of like this. I guess I do. I do. I, I mean, to an extent, but I mean, it's a lot of people do that. Like, like Dillashaw in his uh, last fight against Garbrandt. Man, he had this weird thing going on with his hands that I yeah. was not expecting. I get a lot of like uh, Dillashaw's really. Uh, what do you call it? I get inspiration. I get yeah. a lot of inspiration from Dillashaw. I'm I'm super inspired by Dwayne Ludwig, man. Uh, Dillashaw's coach, former alpha male coach. I really, I'm, I've got to uh, log into his member site and I'm watching his videos all the time. I've a new video like every week. And it's like real progressive. And Chuck missed and overextended himself. He, would he just trip on the ropes or is he rocked? I think he's rocked. He He was, he was on ice skates there. And Rampage was so bad at the clinch back in Pride. Yeah, dude. Remember those Vanderlei fights? <laughs> yeah. Then, then he, in the UFC, how he just killed Vanderlei, yeah. dude. Like, literally, I was like, dude, Vanderlei's dead right now. I remember one time, like, when Corey and I first got together, we were watching a fight, and somebody just got brutally knocked out, and I don't even think she was training. And I'm like, that dude's dead. He's freaking died. And she's like, really? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, no, he's not really dead, but... I'd say that all the time. Like, this dude's dead right now. Yeah, you know, those KOs where, like, you're watching a lot like of Like Overeem and Ganu. Oh, my like God. Like, where, like, he's, yeah. he just go, he turns into Sometimes a stiff corpse. Your heart bro. drops, you're like, no way. He just fucking died. Oh, yeah, man. See, Rampage keeps countering that overhand. Liddell's missed that overhand three times he's countered. About five minutes in. 5.40 left to go in the first round. That's why you got to, man, everybody has to have fight pass. Because we can watch every fight. It's so good. Got Boss Rooting on the commentary. Yeah, I love Boss. Did you man. hear, uh, did you watch the Mel Gibson, Joe Rogan? Mel Gibson was on there. Didn't no. talk about anything other than stem cells. I heard all, the, I saw the memes about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Joe Rogan made his, uh, like a, a tweeted, he's like, no matter how many famous people I hang out with or interview, it's still weird getting to talk to Mel Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like Marilyn Manson and all these other people. I bet he's way more relaxed talking like a Ben Askren. I don't, I don't under, I've seen a bunch of jokes and memes about having John Donaher on there. Oh, dude. I don't get I it, watched though. It I didn't twice. watch it, but like, like the thing you posted on Facebook the other day about Joe like laughing about oh, when yeah. he was like, submit, I didn't get it. Oh, he's like, oh, you must be a 10th planet black belt. Because, uh, uh, well, a dude, which, like, here's the thing. John Donaher's number one guy, or, like, his first first number one guy was a guy named Eddie Cummings. 
he's been injured, but he was the first dude before Gordon Ryan and Gary Tonin that started killing everybody with like the uh, inside heel hook and heel hooks in general. And um, he um, he's been out with injury, and I want to say he might even have switched camps or went to California to train, is what I read. But he beat, or I'm sorry, uh, one of Eddie's white belts, Gio Martinez, beat Eddie Cummins in an EBI. But there's like not really a few, but Eddie's like, we want to we want to take out the Donaher death squad. And he's, he's talking about Gordon Ryan and Gary Tone and those two dudes I mentioned earlier. Uh, and Gary being the one that signed to like one FC, I believe. But it's like in my mind, they already did. Eddie Cummins was the number one guy and your guy submitted him in EBI. It's like they're that's it. You know, Rampage needs to do the jackhammer right here. Or no, wait, Chuck needs to do the jackhammer. Very Rampage powerbombing everybody, dude. Yeah, he's sick. Yeah, I was wanting to watch this because I, I, I don't know. Uh, I can't remember how it finishes, but I, I believe Rampage finished it with body strikes on the ground. Which um, Rashad got finished with body punches by uh, Little Nog in thought, in the two hundred five division once upon a time. I think Chuck KOs him on the feet. Really? No, I, I think, think that I think that Chuck loses this because when I think when Chuck fought him twice? in the UFC the first time, uh, which yeah they only fought once I mean, in the UFC twice in Pride. Did I they? know they fought in UFC and Rampage knocks him out. Let me see. You think we'll ever see Randy Couture fight again? No, absolutely not. I don't know, man. Over there in that Bellator Wild West, you never know what's gonna happen. Randy Couture, no, man. He's too. Dude, he, it's like we talk about himself. this, but it's like, like I was saying, I want to do an episode over BJ Penn, and uh, because it's like, dude, Chuck Liddell doesn't have as bad of a record as uh, his last ten fights as BJ Penn had his last ten fights, and BJ's still fighting. Oh well, no way should. So that uh, he lost to Jackson at UFC seventy one, and then this one UFC uh, Pride Total Conflict. Okay, and so that's the only time. That's only two times they fought. So Chuck lost both times. Yeah. Wow. Poor Chucky. That's why we got to see him come back, trying to avenge his losses, bro. Yeah, I did not know that. I always hate them. So it's like BJ. It's like, how are you going to make a third fight with somebody you lost to twice? No one wants to see that rubber match, whether it's at 45 or 55 or whatever. See, yeah, I want to say there's a corner stoppage or something. I even rarely want to see third fights, even if it is like a, a rubber match. Like, I don't want to see Nate versus Connor a third time. Like, if it's one and one... If it I, was a flash knockout or something, dude, I'm just, okay. You know, I don't know if, I don't know if they're going to be able to pay him that Nate Diaz money. That's going to be a thing, dude, that people are going to start talking about Nate Diaz money because that dude wants so much money to fight now. They say that Nick has been spotted at the USC Performance Institute. I've been uh, – I, I um, watched a couple of videos, and then just like they were talking about it on the UFC 220, uh, 220 promo, but, man, that place is nice. Yeah, super sick. Super sick. And they have, they have, like, coaches there for you to work with and everything, yeah, nutritionist. Everything. You ever been to the, or you or your bro, either one ever been to the Olympic Training Center, Colorado Springs? I haven't, but 
I don't know if he has. Oh, dropped him with an overhand. Come on, Chucky. There you can need it. Yeah, knees to the head while you're down. That's what we need, man. Pride rules. I would be down for that. Look at that lazy lead hook, Chuck. What are you doing? I threw that same hook against him the other day. Though. <laughs> I was like, like um, I sparred him like the day that I got came down super sick with the flu, and I, I still felt like I did totally fine. But afterwards, I was like, man, I feel like shit. He, he only hit me a couple of times, and I hit him a lot. I felt like, but I was like, dude, I feel so horrible. And then I, I, the next day, I was dying with like 105 fever. First round, ten minutes, bro. That's wild west. Yeah, I got to make it clear with Tim. A lot of times, I'm not gonna hard spar today. Yeah, that's not. Um, We've been hard sparring every single day. I need to do some engineering shit tomorrow. Yeah. Have you met Albert Martin? Uh-huh. Uh. He came in. He's he's an old school pro boxer. He's like seven two. It's a pro, and he works at the plant though. He's like an ops manager. Um, his pictures like when you walk in or whatever. Apparently, he's oh, kind okay. of a famous dude out there. <laughs> but he he comes <laughs> in and spars with Tim Priot, who came in yesterday and. They, I was just like, he's like, yeah, Tim needs to keep it light. And I look over, and they're just throwing down. Dude. Yeah, I, I love like, sparring Tim, with Tim. Tim's got a fight coming up yeah. this weekend. Uh, I'm 29. Yeah. <laughs> and no, Tim's, Tim's 17. 17. Uh, we and, can't be doing and that And he no fights more. like every weekend. Yeah, I right? mean, he's like, he's going to probably fight like Maybe. four out of the next five weekends. I wish I knew Tim when I was 17 because we'd make each other great. Oh, yeah. But now yeah. it's just like. Well, yeah. I've been having these uh, college kids. They just got back from on break. They're like training with us last semester and they're back and they're like bringing their little buddies in. And, uh, dude, I, I totally. Uh, so, like it um, on campus, I taught my first college class this week. And they're like, we want you to do an icebreaker with the students, you know, so they can, they can like, you know, something to, something to get them to connect with you. I was doing icebreakers the whole first class. I was telling jokes and shit. But, um, these two new boxers came in yesterday. Just like they're like, yeah, you know, we used to play football. We're just trying to get into something, you know, trying to find other things to do. I was like, you guys ever play this game? You hit them with the circle <laughs> game, and they were just lost it. And I was like, yeah, they call that an icebreaker. <laughs> and they just, they were losing. It. it was funny. Love circle gaming, people, bro. It's so <laughs> fun. Somebody get Dana White off this commentary. What's he doing? Who? What? Dana White's commentating with Boss Rutten. Right oh, there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, damn, bro. What'd he hit him with there? Uh, hit him with uh, an uppercut. We got to watch that again. Man, I wish I could do like the 10 seconds backwards. Somebody just showed me how to do that on your iPhone. Like when you're on YouTube, you can hit, tap it twice. And it just goes like 10 or 15 seconds. I just found out how to do that. Yeah, somebody, that. somebody doesn't even have an iPhone showed me how to do that. Here it comes. 3.30. Rampage shows a little knee. And he's about to, they're about to disengage from the clinch. And he's going to land this nasty little uppercut. Bink! That was sick. I yeah, like that, that was. Dude, that was like that a that Justin Gaethje uppercut. That was single sick. collar tie yeah. off the clinch. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I saw, um, wow, what fight was it? But I saw just in a normal, and I've seen you do this too, just a normal single tie, just a hook over the school. Yeah. It's a nice little, it's like you're pushing the head into the your fist. The Volcanostomeric. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Did you uh, see Cormier in the training? Volcant. Volcant. <laughs> Cormier annoys the shit out of me, man. No, I, man. I, I, I mean, my hero. Dude. I love the guy. I mean, what a, what a, I mean, I feel bad for the guy because, uh, for his legacy. Yeah, I do too. I feel really bad for him. That dude, 
I'm emotionally Ooh. invested when he fights, and yeah, this is a see. I believe beating. this is right here. Like Chuck's done, dude. Look at him; he's giving up. Watch, he's hitting him in the they, body. Yeah, rampage. They throw in the towel right here. Look at that knee to the body. Boom, elbows to the body. Hey, let me hold this rope up for you, bro. Oh, damn, dude. Man, that's miserable. That's ah, dude, look at those elbows ago. to the ribs, bro. Rampage is raining down, punches and elbows. He's doing a good body head strategy on that ground and pound. You know, I'm a, like that um, guy Damon has been training with us. He's yeah. going to be good at this style of grappling, like a ground and pound. It's like he's not like one of his top game for jiu-jitsu. He just like the way he plays his top game, he'll be good at ground and pound. I told him that the other day because he doesn't. That's, that's how I am too. So he I can just, that. he can pressure and, and settle little positions, little anchor points. He's trying to pass and stuff. But he doesn't really put himself out there to, like, get swept. Like, I was trying to sweep him and leg entangle him the other day. And, I mean, he's a big dude. Probably weighs. Yeah, he's, he's huge. So weighs 220. Thing, yeah. He's probably doing steroids and shit. Who knows? Sorry, Damon. <laughs> Just kidding. You're not. Nah. We, I don't think you're doing steroids. But if you are, you should tell is. me so we can talk about it. I'm not saying I'm going to discourage you. I hope you listen to the podcast. Yeah, I just talked to him the other day about Is he coming in tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Sweet. So that girl I was telling you about, um, that's the boxer, she may show up. Um, she like trained with me this morning. Uh, Who? Uh, but she's wanting to do, she's wanting to get into MMA. Her name's Meredith. Uh, she keeps oh. she keeps asking me about MMA. I try to never push people one way or the other. I'm like, if you want to do it, it's serious. We'll do it, you know. Or you want to do whatever. It's push just them like, towards MMA. Yeah. I, well, you know, like want. I hate like someone like Tim being a boxer. You know, I'm like. Like you mentioned Tim doing kickboxing and MMA. He's like, no, no way, no. And, and it's just like I don't want people to feel like I'm pressuring them to do it. If it's there if they want to. I'll pressure them. You can pressure them for me, bro. <laughs> I'll get a bad rap. Tim is forced, Damn, to, dude, he's forced at, to train MMA when he spars with me. Rampage is raining that down, dude. Rampage at the chain. <laughs> He fought in that entire fight, the whole first 10-minute round and second round, five-minute round, 15 minutes straight. He fought like how he fights for about 15 seconds of each round nowadays. Yeah, just got a message from one of my buddies, um, Chad, a real old-school friend of mine, asking about it, coming in and training. He would be a freaking beast if he got into MMA. He was an athlete in high school. Um, and he's been in the Marines. I want to say the Marines. Went, over, went overseas for a couple of years. Yeah, I was super pumped about how getting Damon coming in. He's really motivated. Yeah. He comes a lot. And, and he's, he's a big just, guy. Yeah, it's he's nice bigger to have guy. a bigger guy. I've been the biggest guy at the gym for a while now, and I'm like, what? Because yeah. I'm not used to that at all. I'm usually a small guy. For sure. That's um, It is nice having big guys and then having partners for those bigger guys. Both. Because, uh, I mean, and that's the girls feel the same way about it. It's like they want smaller partners, and it's, it's like it's hard to balance all of that out. You, know, like you end up just having to kind of all work together. Because it's like um, Holly Holm was uh, interviewed saying before uh, UFC 219, she's like, I finished cowboy in training. What? It's like, yeah, she said she finished Sharoni in training, like hit him with a head kick or something, and then like Damn. followed up. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, totally. Like, A... You, like, y'all aren't that big apart in size. Like, I feel like uh, Cowboy probably only outweighs her maybe more than 20 pounds. But if it's like if she was um, – if if Cowboy was in fight camp and she wasn't, they would be a lot closer on weight. Yeah, that's not a huge difference between those two. I mean, 
same difference as like me versus Damon. He's a good 25, 30 pounds heavier than me. I wonder how much he weighs. He said 215. Yeah, I, I was I was guessing 220. He's been kind of like he, uh, he and I did yoga yesterday. Uh, um, dude, yoga makes me feel like such a child. Like, uh, too, I've, I've been getting over this little, um, like, I, or like a strain in my groin. And I was doing like a lot of balance poses, like leaning over yesterday on one leg, standing splits and stuff. And it was rough. Uh, but like, we're both just like, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, like shaking and quivering and stuff. And it's, uh, but he's been, he's been coming into yoga because his, uh, his mother-in-law trains there. And, um, but Damon like trained for like six months and, uh, he's had a fight, uh, previously. And I, does he work at the plant? No, I think his wife does though. Okay. I think that, I think that he's done some sort of contract labor out there. So I saw him wearing an energy shirt the other day oh. or, or like one of those, like kind of like this, like a fleece hoodie type deal. So, and then somebody mentioned something about the contract, like had been seeing him out there, but he might just be like a, um, what a, what a, it was like people just do like general construction and stuff out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he could very well work out there. He probably does. And yeah. Man, that is such a major, um, source of jobs around here. It's kind of remarkable how many people work out there, <laughs> honestly, how many people move in like yourself. Yeah. It brings people from the outside. Yeah. So we talked about Gagey Poirier, Tyron RDA, um, RDA. We don't care about Connor anymore. Khabib versus Ferguson, Chuck and Shale. Okay. So <clears throat> what do you think about John Jones's past polygraph test? Who cares? The polygraph doesn't mean anything. They should have asked him about the dick pills. I want to know what the questions they asked him were. John, did you really do a dick pill, or was it really steroids? You can like you can beat a polygraph test pretty easily if you just yeah, look it up online. Yeah, have you seen Ocean's 13? <laughs> you just put the tack in your shoe. Google how to beat polygraph tests. There you go. So it, means, sure. it doesn't hold up in any like official like. Oh, I know. We'll see. Um, what uh, back in the day, I believe they uh, did. OJ Simpson do a polygraph. Did you watch that show that came out on FX with Cuba Gooding Jr.? No, I didn't watch it. It was good. It was good. It was good. I should do a review of that. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a moot point for me as well. I don't I don't care about the polygraph. It doesn't sway my opinion anyway. I think it's just it, back on the fa MMA fantasy universe, it's news. It's just news. It's just something to talk about. Um, and I think that, like, that's where I draw the line on, like, folks like you and I that are like, we're fans, but we are different fans. And there's like my buddy Colby I mentioned. He's a fan like you and I are a fan. And then there's other fans, and we don't like them. Yeah, I don't want to pay John, kind of like Connor right now, for the, the principle of it. I, John is a cheater, and he ruined kind of like DC's life almost. And DC yeah, I know. That's uh, Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, that is a, taint, a tainted legacy. Like, uh, what he, he could have potentially damaged his brain or something based off that. That's that the ethical the side of it, man. Yeah, the ethical side of it. I mean, I just don't want to hear about John Jones anymore, and he should be punished for what he's what he's done. Agreed. So you don't want to see a John Jones versus Connor super fight. <laughs> that would be like horrible for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like that. I wouldn't pay attention. Like, like this. If I saw something like that, it'd be like, "This is a world we live in. This is what it's like." Like that fight, it would have to happen in Bellator in like t like five years or something. Because I, I mean, they say uh, Nowitzki said that Jones could get suspended up to four years, 
and it's yeah. looking like the minimum will probably be two unless they can just absolutely overturn it. But I guarantee you that at the hearing, they're going to use this polygraph and precedent on things like Tim Means because Tim, Pe- Tim Means only got a six-month suspension right. for um, taking that third-party creatine that was, you know. But, man, that's just it. It's like uh, the supplement industry is Tim is Means, not perfect. So, I mean, the evidence all stacked up for Tim Means, but the evidence all stacks up against John Jones. Yeah, I know. Do you, you remember seeing that video of John Jones, like, drag racing the cop, like, giving him all that shit and they released the body cam footage that was funny man john jones is just dude's a partier like it's just you know and in a way it's unfortunate that like the dude like think about this the dude can do rails of coke and go perform and be the greatest of all time maybe that's a performance enhancer his lifestyle and things that he's doing practice enhancer he does steroids whatever but the thing is, is like, imagine if he was just allowed to just be that. I mean, he probably has. He's probably been doing this shit his whole career. Yeah, or been doing it at so. least since he won the title. I mean, mm-hmm. like you and I talked about that uh, one of the last podcasts that you're on about. It's like, dude has the resources to put the people around him to pass the tests. But, dude, you know, Pat, like passing every test with USADA being in has got to be difficult, especially with all the raised awareness from that. Dude, have you watched Icarus yet? No. got to see it, bro. We should have watched it on the podcast. Next podcast, we're watching Icarus. Dude, watch Icarus, then watch – or watch I, – I didn't watch Icarus until I watched Brian Fogle on JRE. Dude, if you watch both the Nowitzkis, Lance Armstrong, Brian Fogle, the director of Icarus and Icarus, and then mix that with all of your performance-enhancing drugs knowledge you already have – like that's maybe like ten hours of content that's just like some of the most eye opening things that I mean it'll send you down so many other rabbit holes in the in performance enhancing drugs, especially w- to do with the Olympics. So that's why you know there's gonna be I want to do um, episodes on just doping in Olympic uh, in certain Olympic sports, doping and cycling, mm-hmm. and use some of these um, things I just mentioned as footnotes to to kind of. Uh, and they said this like the last couple of times, but Joe is trying to get a um, Nowitzki and Lance Armstrong on the same podcast together. When he yeah, mentioned that to funny. Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong, no fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, it, it ain't happening. It's funny. Um, so, you know, forget John Jones. So, um, Uriah Hall missed weight. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. You know, here's the sad part That's of that. That's scary. It'll happen to him. I mean, it happens every once in a while to people, but then people just really need to stop doing that. Yeah, well, so I heard that he might have had the flu three weeks earlier or something like that. Like, he had gotten sick during the training camp. But here's the real tragedy of that. Um, my coach, Caleb, trained um, with this guy at Extreme Couture a few times. Um, uh, Fallis, the coach that just recently passed away. Yeah. Robert Fallis was his name, I believe. Fallis. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, okay. Um, so he was big time coach for, um, yeah, Kevin Lee trained, uh, I believe trained there, like big time coach for a lot of, uh, extreme couture fighters or affiliates and, uh, pretty much ran extreme couture in Vegas and he quit. And then three weeks later, he killed himself, drove out in the desert, shot himself. And that was your coach. Oh, was it? Yeah. So they said that 
this awesome. this rumor of him being sick or having the flu or whatever it was, and then trying to cut weight, and it's just, I mean, imagine that, dude. That's like um, Kat, Zing, uh, Kat Zinganu. Like, her husband committed suicide, and it's like, how, how dude, is a person, like, I mean, just dealing with any death around you is difficult, you know? It's yeah. eye-opening. It's it, it can change you as a person, or, or it can affect you ex- for a period of time uh, to to a great degree. So it's like, I mean, these fighters that experience loss like that, that's got to be very difficult. Yeah, I'm sure it plays a huge factor of all that, the mental stuff going on leading up to a fight. And yeah, I just, I, and I just heard that that was, um, and I mean, I'm I'm just repeating information. I'm going to actually Google Uriah Hall and Flawless um, while I'm. Did you listen to the podcast with Flavio? No. We had Flavio on the other day. Man, the audio is getting so much better, and then the video um, side is looking good as well. So I'm pretty pumped. Uriah Hall can't weigh in. Calm us yeah, um, yeah, it was his coach. Uriah Hall's. What's your, I'm going to read this article real quick. It's talking about um, his body shutting down and his coach passing away. No stranger to self doubt. Lately, he's gotten a lot better at managing it. Admits the camp for his upcoming fight was rocky, so he didn't stop training after his uh, knockout to. Stop trying to his previous bout of performance of the night knockout of that Christoph guy. Three weeks ago, his body shut down, told MMA junkie um, in advance. Yeah. Challenges weren't just physical. One of his coaches, Robert Fallis, took his own life in the middle of the camp. Like many of the fighters, I mean, in the middle of his training camp. Many of the fighters who trained in the famed extreme couture in Vegas, where Fallis taught, Hall found himself grappling with profound loss at a time he was supposed to be ramping up for competition. And I can't imagine. I can't imagine being GSP having ulcerative colitis flare-ups the day. I mean, he said, they said he was sitting down um, at a table with uh, Freddie Roach, John Donaher, and... Um, Maybe Firas or maybe Greg. I don't know who else. There's another like third coach there, and he's like they say he's like kind of quietly excused himself, and then John Donaher went up to their room, and he was in the, I say he was in the bathroom for like over an hour, and came out just like this like you know like pale white look on his face, it's like until he's like sick you know, and it's like hey you doing okay, and he said that um, after the fight GSP said that he just didn't want to reveal to any of his coaches that he was dealing with that because he said he th- he thought it would affect the way they cornered him. Yeah. That they would cornered him um, to more conservatively, I guess. It could also affect his own mindset, knowing that other people knew about Talking it. Talking about it, putting that, that energy out into the universe. Yeah. For real. For real. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, um, so some other stuff going on. We got... Uh, what about Rory and Douglas? Yeah, I mean, I think Rory's going to take it. I'm excited to see it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You, what, what, what are your no, thoughts, dude? Honestly, I think Rory's going to take it too. Um, it's a Red King, man. It's Douglas, great fighter. I definitely think he's you know top five in the world. But I think Rory's style, um, he's going to be able to jab him. See, Rory does have an incredible jab. He's going to be able to put him against the cage, similar to how he did Tyron Woodley. And Douglas is going to try to throw those hard, hard. Like, he's just super explosive and strong, big dude with those counter hooks he likes to throw, like how he hit Paul Daly with. But 
Yeah, Rory, I'm excited to see be it. I've been that. wanting to see Rory do more lately. So, um, you know, that's a fight I just watched last night. Actually, I don't really ever watch older fights, but I watched Tyron Woodley versus Rory McDonald. I've been last wanting night. to. I wouldn't want to crawl back through um, cool fight, Tyron's fights because cool I want to. I want to rewatch those um, Wonder Boy fights, uh, just because. I mean, it's maybe they're yeah, Paramount Network. What the hell is the Paramount Network? And that's why I'm not so sure why Tyron would want to fight GSP so badly because I think GSP would implement similar game plan as Rory and that's that money fight. But he don't want to lose. That's that money fight. I think he'll lose that fight. And you think Tyron will lose money. to GSP? Yes. In his alternative Colorado. Yeah, maybe. Um, again, my favorite Tyron fight, Neymar Court. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Ex- so I'm, see, I'm, I'm totally pumped to see Tyron lose. I don't care who he loses to. I hope RDS starches him. I'm I, just because, man. It's like him being on JRE. Like the dude. It, I, I was. Sur- I'm surprised that, that I don't know. Did you watch that episode when he's on Joe Rogan's MMA show, Tyron? No, I saw. I'm surprised that he's uh, champion and his mindset is that. Yeah, jet. he's super. super he's a like he's a whiner. I would consider a weak mind, but he's somehow. The, it's like, dude, how are you maintaining your your? Weak mind, yeah. Your industry of being champion while complaining so much. Maybe, you know, I wonder if, like, it's like traditionally, like, we would think that's like a, a weak mind or, you know, he's a, he's a whiner, but also, like, the way he fights is, like, not what you think would be that. Of, he, you know, puts himself against the I cage was, all the um, time. He did reveal, you got to watch that episode because he does talk. I mean, it's, it's useful, it's a worthy listen. Because he does talk about a lot of good stuff. And then Joe, Joe's putting him on the spot being like, dude, yeah, uh, do that. you feel like you're a whiny little bitch right now? <laughs> or uh, like, why are you, why do you think this way? Why are you making yourself out to be a victim? But Tyron did kind of like bring it back in and like put things into context a little bit about, uh, and I get, I got what he was saying a lot better, but it took like an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm just like circular arguing. Yeah. Before, and then, uh, was, uh, anyway. But, uh, so, a couple of things. Uh, we mentioned the cyborg, but a couple other things going on in women's MMA. Um, Ronda signed to the WWE. I mean, there's that. Man. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Okay, let's move on. You got Johanna versus Thug rematch. They're talking about that a lot. You think that's going to happen? Probably. Dude, I was so high on Johanna until she too. got knocked out, bro. And now too, I'm, like, I'm like, did I get ronda again? Because I was high on Ronda, and then Holly Holm knocked her out, and I'm like, no, nah, Ronda always sucked. You can tell now. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And then yeah. she loses again. You're like, yep, she really sucked. You can tell. And uh, I wonder if, like, um, we're not going to see that with Johanna. I mean, Johanna's legit, though. Johanna has demonstrated more legit striking than th- Ronda ever did. We'll have to see if Ronda or Johanna's going to be the fighter that keeps her same style, sort of like an I Anthony I think she needs to move up to 25. I think that yeah, now she did mention a, something about the weight cut. Right? See, that's the thing is you get people like Johanna that are in the 15 pound division and she doesn't look Claudia Gadella and stuff that are cutting lots of weight to make 15 because there previously wasn't a 25. So yeah. now that there's a 125 division, I think you're seeing a lot of that. You're seeing now that they have 115 through 145 women's, you're seeing the division settle a lot more. People yeah. move up to their uh, right way. Well, you saw that when the UFC added 25 and 35 and 45 when they merged with the WEC or uh, acquired the WEC and bought bought out those contracts. You saw the lighter weights come in because remember when the UFC stopped at 55? That was a thing. And then um, uh, at one point they did something else. They um, 
they got rid of the 55 division. You remember that? That's why BJ Penn had to leave. Yeah, this is OG back when there's like UFC 37.5. How are you going to have a point five? Just call it a fight night. That's before they thought of that. <laughs> Got to get somebody on the marketing train back then. It's back when Dana was commentating pride bouts. So, um, all right, man. Only thing I'd like to talk about is UFC 220, bro. Like, we kind of talked about Stipe. I think Stipe's got to come out and wrestle and do it effectively, but it's like on somebody like Nganu, it's like we're talking about Cora for her upcoming fight. It's like the girl she's fighting is a grappler, uh, big-time grappler, not much of a striker. I don't uh -huh. even know if she does striking, but it's like on any on any striker or anybody that is a legit striker, there's a certain barrier you have to cross to get there, and I, I don't know. That's where Stipe may – I mean, if he gets clipped – Trying to come in to wrestle, whether he's trying to clinch or I, I bet I can see him trying to clinch versus shoot. But what what are, what are your thoughts on breaking that down? I I, I, I I'm so excited! I can't wait. I see him trying to shoot. He's gonna hit that. He's gonna go for that single leg. He likes to do like he did against Mark Hunt. He's just gonna he's gonna because you know when he when he throws his combinations and it gets people, he's on the inside. Definitely got to go for singles. At heavy really short. Bro. He gives for the singles. Cannot be doubling a heavyweight. Like, that's uh, MacArthur, my, one of my wrestling coaches. He fought in heavyweight his whole career. He's like, one does not simply double another heavyweight. Like, it was like, he's like, <laughs> Unless what, you're what if it didn't work? And I'm like, well, yeah, you're stuck <laughs> under a 350-pound dude or whatever. But that's the thing with, um, they cut that off at 265, and is probably cutting weight to um, make the 265 limit. Uh, Stipe is not. I do not want to get stuck under him on a double leg. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a reach I, down I, single. I don't want, I mean, dude, I wouldn't want to get hit by Ngannou. Did you see not him knock his coach down at open workouts yesterday? No, but Hannah was telling me about it. She's like, Ngannou was being a dick to his coach. <laughs> well, he did, he did like a double rear leg, but if you go back and watch that too, here's where you can see, like, I mean, just in my humble assessment, dude didn't pivot on his kick, not one time. Ngannou? Yeah, imagine if he pivoted on that planted leg. Like he and two over time, that's gonna get him because it causes your knee to twist. Yeah, it's bad. Like I, I, I teach all my beginners to step, either step forty-five down the line or, or step kind of lateral and open their hip up. I can do, I can pivot without stepping and get my head off the line, and everything, and just turn on the yeah. ball of my foot. But it's kind of hard teaching beginners how to do that. I know it's really hard. Even people that have kind of been doing it for a while still have a lot of problems. Doing yeah, like that. that uh, their hips up. A really good drill. I, I used to. Um, we used to do this like a line drill, like uh, competition practice and stuff. Just do like a one-two rear leg and do the spin all the way through and with the shield, like tie box and one-two and do the three sixty. Yeah. With the with yeah. the kick and then do the same thing with one-two switch kick and just do yeah. the shield when you whip around. That's something I was thinking about recently. Is a lot of people when they're shadow boxing don't spin all the way through shot boxing and working the kicks in is an art form like it, you gotta yeah, core, is. core is really good at it like extending the kick and following through because you can't you can't pull kicks back right. when you're shadow boxing yeah, you, you gotta, gotta follow through you gotta wheel it and it, it's really hard to do it on a switch kick too like, yeah that's a whole different thing you gotta keep it's something you gotta practice and you gotta practice it a lot yeah, I like this. Uh, uh, one of uh, Evelyn, one of our girls, she may be there tomorrow. Like, but I'll come up and like, uh, like if I go over the shoulder, get a head kick, I whip it down, and then I'm like in like a bladed kind of a side stance where I could throw like a lead leg side kick from southpaw, all like Conor McGregor. Hold on, what? Say that again. Like all like Conor McGregor, you know, he comes out, he's southpaw a lot, and he leads out. Holly Holm did this. So you're too. talking about being southpaw. So like, let's say I do a rear leg, 
up and I like roll it off like a head kick. Yeah. I put that down. So I put it down in front of you. So I'm like this now. Yeah. So I could, I see what you're I could saying. thrust that sidekick into it. Okay. But, uh, that's just like a cool, like sometimes I'll do that. I'll whip down into like a without having a side stance or like traditional martial arts sort of horse stance. And you still land so you can follow up if you need to. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can do like I've, I've even done spinning back fist off of there, like a missed rear leg to a spinning sidekick yes. or a spinning back fist. Yep. But uh, yeah, like Michael lets to do spinning back fist master over there. Yeah. It's like a video game, just spinning around. Spinning around. <laughs> oh man, too funny! It's so funny when like here's another thing uh, that I love seeing. It's like every time you see a dude or a girl throw a Superman punch. Like, a few seconds later, that person's like, yeah, I know the Superman punch. Watch this. And then they throw it, too. And it's like, you brought that other person probably hadn't thrown a Superman punch in, like, six months or something. And, like, somebody does it to them, and they're like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and then they're going to throw the Superman punch. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of the same idea you can bait it out. Like, bait out the low kicks from people. Like, Anderson Silva used to try to do a lot. Yeah. Man, I, I, I didn't um, – I love how uh, GSP would do, like, the switch Superman punch. That's like Superman sick. jab. Like the Superman jab. Yeah. I love that. And not Super a lot of people legit. can do that as well as they can. Anyone can Superman punch. Have like you that. ever done, I learned this from uh, a good friend of mine, mentor, um, Mark Barber. Have you ever uh, done the Fitzsimmons switch with me? It's like a, a jab and then you switch stances and go for another jab. So it's like a double jab. But yeah, I think that you. second jab kind of becomes a rear hook because mm-hmm. you, you do kind of like a, kind of like that, um, we we're talking about that martyr, martyr martial artist page. He put out a couple of Tyson videos, leaping hooks and arching uppercuts that I thought were really good. But he shows how Tyson switches stances when he leaps in for his hook, so he's technically southpaw. So if they rotor her that way, they're screwed. Like if they rotor her away from his hook he just threw, he's already standing in that base. His foot's already on the outside of their foot. It, I, I was I was super impressed with how that guy was breaking that down. But... Um, that is, uh, I, I love, and it's named after, uh, um, you know, this guy, Fitzsimmons. Wow. The dude, what, bitch mittens? Gloves? You mean bitch mittens? You see that meme? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that guy. Like, uh, we did a boxing shirt. He's got the mustache. We, uh-huh. Like, we've used him in a logo. Uh, Bob Fitzsimmons, I think it was. I didn't never knew that. Yeah, name. old bare knuckle boxer. Uh, anyway, Fitzsimmons switch, he used to do that a lot. I was telling somebody about this this morning. You ever seen that? Um, there's, if you haven't, you got to watch it. There's a Ken Burns documentary, Unforgivable Blackness. Joe Rogan just mentioned it, but I watched it years ago. I want to rewatch it. I think I told you about the dude. He gets pulled over speeding, and the cop's like, that'll be 50 bucks. He's like, here's 100. I'm going to be back through in an hour. I've heard that. Yeah, dude, dude did things socially at the time that no other um, African-American black person, however, the most politically correct way to say that, is would never get away with just the in the times but that that proves what how influential and i mean he was a sports icon mm-hmm. the only reason he's able to get away with it uh i mean he could, he, white girlfriends speeding it didn't matter because but he would do a lot of these looping punches he did this one uh punch that winkle john i worked with him where you like switch stance you step out with your back leg this way and you like jump off of it and drive into an overhand so you like bing bing yeah. You get that angle, so you got, you come at that angle. It's, he had us doing it running around the room first. We're like jogging around the room. He had have a step out and plant and throw an overhand. Step out and plant, throw a lead hook. And uh, I like doing it for warm-ups, but somebody throws a jab, you 
kind of leap outside of it and explode off your rear leg and jump into the cross. It's mm-hmm. almost like a Superman punch. So, um, so what do you think about um, Ozdemir? It's, it's like so we know so little about him right now. He's had like less, six minutes or something in the Octagon in his UFC career. I, I the fact that he, he's had three UFC fights and, and then he had to move to Black Zillions because he couldn't get the training he needed back home. And the the, the level of experience that DC has is just. You know, he's up there with maybe the, the most experienced fighter in the UFC at this point. Uh, I don't see – and people are saying, oh, you know, Ozdemir is going to be able to stand up. You know, DC wants to wrestle. Ozdemir wants to strike. Well, DC's striking to me is phenomenal. I mean, you see – watch the highlights from any John – his two fights with John Jones. You'll see DC clipping John Jones, who's yeah. twice the size of him. I know. I mean, that was a competitive fight, honestly. Yeah, very competitive, um, especially the second one. DC yeah, that's yeah. Some big Pre- shots, and then it's one interesting thing is Vulcan loves the clinch so much. Well, yeah, so does DC. So we'll really see who's better there. And my guess is DC. He's just yeah. going to be so much more experienced. Vulcan might be just the product of being in the right place at the right time with a little bit of luck, and that's kind of what I think he is. Word. Um. <clears throat> well, I'm excited to see it. I mean, it's interesting that both of them had also fought at heavyweight and light heavyweight. Oh, did Vulcan fight at heavyweight? He did. He's had a few fights at heavyweight. And also, I just noticed this the other day. We had mentioned this when we were breaking down Nganu, but a lot of Nganu's earlier fights in Europe were on this um, promotion called 100% Fight. And I saw in that UFC promo, 220 promo, there um, there was like some trophies and medals and shit that Vulcan had that were that said 100% fight on them. I'm, yeah, they I'm, fought on the same card. On I, night, right? I, I I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. 100% fight ten Supreme League Block C. It was uh, Vulcan fought on the main event on one card, and Ngannou was the co-main. And Interesting. Now it's the here Interesting. The okay. See, I I was I was like I gotta look that up because I remembered that I I hadn't heard of that organization until I saw that Ngannou fought out of there. So. Yeah, Ngannou mentioned stuff. it the other day, I think. Yeah. Well, dude, you got any final predictions, man? Anything exciting we didn't talk about? We little weekly MMA show we've been in, like, three weeks in a row. There's so much. Like, I mean, that's, like, we, like, that first one, we're, uh, we're just breaking down the Holly Holm stuff that just happened, the Choi fight, which had not happened. Now we got you, and we're talking about UC220, and all the stuff that has happened since we talked on that first podcast, and we just... We're talking about Stipe and Ganu, but breaking down in Ganu's fights. Over the last two or three weeks, there's been some crazy shit happening. There's some crazy interviews come out. It's an exciting time to be alive. Yeah, did you watch the the one where Ganu lost? No. Oh, man. Is it legit? Yeah, it's legit. Can you watch it on Fight Pass? It's on Fight Pass? It's on YouTube. They better have bought all Ngannou's fights on Fight Pass. That's all I'm saying. But yeah. we can we can watch it on YouTube too. But that's what I love about Fight Pass. Like you, you got Chuck all the way back in Pride and and, and even outside of uh, Pride of the UFC. You but watching off. his loss might be deceiving because he's changed a whole lot since then. I know, dude. He has evolved every fight. He was wild. Like he's what what exactly what you'd expect from like a big explosive dude. He threw huge looping like wild punches. And was susceptible. To it is not. They down. only have Ngannou's fights in the UFC. That's interesting. To me. Yeah, he, he got launched a, a few times in that fight. Like, like it's gotta be. Throw. It's gotta be his weakness, he, bro. Actually, the guy that that beat him used my favorite throw. Like back in wrestling, my coach would always tell me not to do. <laughs> it's the old like 
the over under and then step with your your left leg step through and then use your leg as the trip oh yeah yeah but in judo they call that sauce it's a foot prop right everyone was, and back in wrestling everyone made fun of me for doing that but it worked so well dude it's like, like a stand it's like a standing lateral drop years. right yeah standing dude, lateral drop. michael Asseter from the gym that's his that's his jam like he loves that and he loves doing it like a sacrifice they're like going down on top and landing on top yeah i've, I've landed that on like you know high-level college wrestlers before. You ever do that on the knee? Like bend your foot, uh, bend your knee and put your foot on their knee? Put your foot, no, I have not. But that's, that was, uh, seems it, like it would be sick. So the first know. three throws in judo, the first one's a foot sweep, the third one is the one you're talking about, and the second one is the one on the knee. Dieshi Barai, which is going to bring me to a funny joke, Dieshi Barai, Hizagaruma, knee wheel, and Sase Surakomiyashi, supporting foot lift pull throw is the one you're saying you like, but there's this uh, throw that I got onto, uh, and I disconnected it this morning, but it's called, there's a throw called Okuriashi Barai. It means um, sliding foot sweep in Japanese, but there's a variation of it called Momo Ashi Barai. <laughs> Fucking Momo. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I just, cause I've known the Japanese word Momo for like a while. And I disconnected that Joey Diaz likes to call people a Momo and that I like to call people a Momo and that it's a Japanese throw name. So that throw, next time I teach it, I'm going to have a lot of fun with that. Fucking Momo. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, dude, let's go ahead and wrap it up. I'm going to chill out and get to some yoga. looks like the dog's about to come in here. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign off, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate you coming over as always, my friend.